and welcome to the Impact Interviews. Today, I'm delighted to welcome Karen Daly-Gerraby. Hi, Karen. Hi, it's lovely to speak to you, Laura. Oh, hi, Karen. Right. So I know that you have had a very illustrious career in the impact sector. So I have to start by asking you, what is impact and why do people care? I think impact is is having an effect. So it might be an effect on you, might be an effect on your uh, family, your local community, or much wider than that. And that's the reason why people care. Because although we're all quite cynical, and it's all about the bottom line and shareholder dividends and everything else that you want to think about, actually what gives you that really, that that sense of um, success is actually changing something that's going to positively impact somebody else or yourself. So I think that's why people care. Because they want to make that positive change. They do. They it makes do. people feel good. Including yeah. You have that sense of doing something for somebody else. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think although it can be masked in many, many people, actually, at the end of the day, it gives you that feel good feeling. So people want to be part of that success and that feel good feeling. Oh, that's actually really nice. That's one of the nicer descriptions I've heard of impact on my people so far. That's because I'm social impact and not completely 100% private sector. I think this is where it comes from. (laughs) Oh, perfect. And so um, obviously you've done a number of things throughout your career and your life. Um, I want to then go on to the lightning round, which is three questions about something that you've done. So tell us what is it, who cares, and why is it amazing? You've got so many examples. Well, I have got quite a lot of examples, and and that's not trying to be big headed at all because I, I I'm I'm actually very modest, but actually I've done a lot of different things, and I suppose I'm not typical in terms of I started off. I spent twenty years in the military, um, which was incredible. Um, I was part of the first female officer training that took place at the Royal Military Academy Sandhurst. So there was a bit of that sort of gender equality that was beginning to come in. Mm-hmm. Everybody felt a little bit awkward, mm-hmm. but actually it was a massive step forward. Um, and when you now look at what women are doing in the armed forces, I mean, it's it's light and day difference to when I joined in, in sort of 1984. Um, So I suppose I've done that. I then went off to work for the British Council where I was working in the Middle East and North Africa. And I suppose the bonus of that was really around women's empowerment and building those mutually beneficial um, relationships, which when we see the state that the world is in now with so many challenges, that soft power has never, ever been more important. So I suppose there was that phase. I then ran a leadership consultancy, which was all around diversity and particularly gender diversity, but it also incorporated all other elements of diversity and giving people the confidence to stand up and speak and reach their full potential. Mm -hmm. And I think that really excites me. And then now I'm in executive search, which is, I suppose, completely random by comparison to all the other things I've done. Mm-hmm. But the link is making sure that there is that increased diversity 
in the senior leadership, in that C-suite leadership across organisations. And I look after the education, higher education, public sector and not-for-profit and charity. So they're still all causes that are very dear to my heart and I've been very close to throughout the whole of my career. Um, and I suppose um, you are making an impact. That is the future of the country, uh, to be honest. Um, and so really, really important that you have the right leaders in the right place with the right skills. Wow. So kind of how you, the future of the country is like a massive, massive statement, huge statement. And therefore kind of why it's amazing is that kind of the work that you do kind of sets up the next generation. Well, one hopes so. I mean, one really hopes so. Yeah. And I think, you know, the COVID pandemic showed that even in um, the sort of non-private sector, um, there needed to be a massive change in terms of leadership. There needed to be that emotional intelligence. There needed to be that agility. It needed to become much more commercial. You needed to get much better value for money because right. things are tight. There's yeah. economic instability. There's climate crisis. There's geopolitical instability. So there are lots of really big issues that we're facing and we all contribute to the wider society. And if we don't get it right in these sectors, particularly education, higher education, that's setting up our young people for the future. Not for profit and charity, of course, is allowing the development of, of people and support where maybe there isn't always the same level of government support because of funding. And then, of course, public sector is under huge amounts of pressure and you need that value for money. So the, the sort of lens in terms of board appointments and also C-suite appointments is so, so important. And they have such a massive impact on what we can achieve. And so do you, you started off by talking about um, diversity and inclusivity. Are you seeing positive moves in that direction as well? There is, there is some movement. I mm -hmm. think most people are talking about it because yes. it doesn't matter what part of that spectrum you're on. Clearly, it's really, really important. Um, I think there's still a slight nervousness mm -hmm. that as soon as you mention diversity, it doesn't necessarily mean that you're getting the best talent, which of course is completely untrue. Yeah. Um, but I suppose it's building confidence with employers that actually there can be different pathways to success. And we don't have to all follow that same traditional pathway um, in order to get the people we need. Um, because a lot of those people who are diverse, and that's not just um, the Black and Asian minority communities, it's also neurodiversity, it's also disability. There's there's a whole spectrum um, that, that comes under that umbrella. I think they may not have necessarily had the opportunity to have those traditional experiences yeah. that would put them in a talent pipeline for those more senior C-suite roles at the moment. It right. will happen as long as we all keep working hard, but at the moment, we're probably not there. Right. Okay. But you can see positive movement in that direction, yeah. which is great. Like, yes. Really, really. There's definitely positive movement. Um, and I think it's about setting people up for success 
Mm -hmm. um, and we need to make sure that people are set up for success. It's great to say, I want a more diverse board. I want a more diverse SLT. I want a more diverse workforce to represent the communities we're representing. But if you don't create that sense of belonging, that inclusivity, when they land and you don't set them up for that success, it's never going to work. So it's a sort of, you have to have a multi-pronged approach mm -hmm. in order for it to be successful. Um, and I suppose we work really closely with employers that if you want to recruit someone who isn't your typical uh, candidate, then actually you've really got to go the extra mile to make sure that when they land, Mm -hmm. The environment is right so they can thrive and they're not going to be thwarted, just uh, sort of disaffected. Um, and then, of course, want to leave because that's no good for anyone. It's not good for the individual. It's not good for the organisation. Um, so it's really important to set those sort of parameters. And it's not 100 percent every time, clearly, no. <laughs> but we're on a journey. Oh. So you talked about the sense of belonging. Um, you don't have to name names or anything, but if you think of like a really good example where an organization created a sense of belonging, what features did it have? Like, what did they do? What? How did they make it so amazing? Yeah, I think belonging is about being able to bring your whole self, and it's a very overused phrase, yeah. but you can bring your whole self to work. So you're not having to mask, you're not afraid to have those conversations. It's not everybody talking about, oh, well, you know, my husband and I, or my kids and I. It's, it's about opening up that conversation and for people to feel accepted, Mm -hmm. with their particular circumstances. Yeah. Um, I think also um, in terms of belonging, it's around leadership from the top. Mm -hmm. I definitely think that's really important, but actually it's not letting middle managers kill what is being sort of the influence people oh, from yeah. the top are filtering down. Because often yeah. you find that the intention is very good, but actually the reality can be a little harder to to adjust to so I think it's closing that gap it's really really important and it's you know letting people see everyone likes to be part of a success story yeah we all like success um and so if there is success then let's talk about it let's celebrate it so that pe people feel actually confident and then that creates that sense of belonging because it creates that sense of team um but I also think Laura you know it's that sort of inspiring leadership it's that confidence to speak up and I know you know in my past career which has been very varied yeah. um I've worked with the leadership consultancy where yeah. we focused on yeah. empowerment of women and it was all over the globe and probably we've touched the lives of I don't know, probably more than 100,000 people now. Right. But yeah. particularly when I was working for the British Council, we were working with women in Saudi Arabia, which is back in 2003, where life was very different. The Saudi Arabia you now see who's offering people can go on holiday. They can, you know, explore the country. There's Formula One. There's top yeah. class football. Very different environment to 2003. 
And so it was about working with women who didn't particularly have a voice mm. in order to build confidence, build assertiveness, but without being aggressive yeah. um, in a non-threatening way to actually have the confidence to speak and have their voice heard. So I suppose it's those interventions. It's that sort mm. of inspiring leadership that leads to everyone reaching their full potential mm -hmm. and I suppose in terms of impact that is the most satisfying be it somebody who never thought they could go from doing a pretty low level job in a company to actually stepping up and taking an opportunity to become a supervisor to become a manager mm -hmm. or become a senior manager whereas without some of the skills and tools in their box and creating a network of support they would never ever have stepped up to and so we're missing out on all that fabulous talent because we're not exploiting it and maybe it's down to some level of storytelling you know like the the, the success everyone wants to be part of success but if you never hear about it you can't feel pleased or joy or, or have that sense of belonging so it's incumbent on us all to recognize where there's been great stuff going on and to tell the stories of that great stuff so and I think you know it's all life becomes pretty mundane you, know, you have your family you have your job you have you know maybe aging parents you're looking after I mean there's a whole load of complications in our life but I do think we spend an awful lot of time at work so yeah it's really important that the leaders really step up and they have good emotional intelligence so they can actually encourage people and celebrate those successes because actually those successes whether you're providing bigger dividends for shareholders whether you're changing someone's life in your local community whether your organization is having a global impact yeah. um, that is all impact um, and different levels of impact will certainly um, uh, inspire different people because we don't yeah. all have the same motivations and drivers. Some people will be thrilled if they're helping their local community. Other people are not so interested in that, but they can see the benefits of having a thriving brand, thriving company, mm -hmm. which is adding something to society, but in a very different way. So I think it it's sort of horses for courses, really. Right. You have to have that mixture, have to have that blend. Oh, OK. We haven't really spoken about that yet on the podcast, about how kind of impact means different things to different people. And therefore, like if you're a leader, presumably you need this range of narratives to make sure that you've captured the whole of your organisation and the mm -hmm. whole of your stakeholder um, network and how to bring them forward and communicate them in a way that's effective. I think we have talked about that quite a lot. The communication of the impact is actually a big thing. Yeah, and I think, Laura, it's really important because, and I think COVID showed it to mm. a really, um, you know, high level because we had leaders who were really technically extremely able. Mm -hmm. But due to a lack of sort of emotional intelligence, lack of that ability to understand what really motivated the people within their organisation, <laughs> they weren't able to motivate those people to be as agile and flexible as they needed to be in order to cope with what was an extreme set of circumstances that 
very few people have ever predicted. So I think it's it's understanding those people that are working for you and being able to inspire people with different messages and different stories in order to get the best out of the organisation as a whole. So you're all pushing in the same direction. You know what the mission is, but you know there will be different people who will be um, positively affected by different parts of that story. And I think that's really, really vital. Yeah. And then if you've talked a lot about uh, women and girls and empowering them and you know, mm-hmm. creating impact for them specifically. So if we think about women and girls now, um, kind of what sort of things would you say to them now? Yeah, well, I would say don't be limited in your vision of what you're able to do. Mm-hmm. It might be something very small. Other people have something very big. But actually be brave and really believe in yourself. Um, I think over the span of sort of my career, you know, in the military, we were getting girls back into education in Afghanistan, Mm -hmm. which very sadly now is a bit of a bad news story because clearly that's been reversed. But at the time, it was the most amazing thing. They would walk for miles They would sit in classrooms with no walls, two or three Mm -hmm. stories up because they wanted to be there. They wanted to learn. They wanted to be able to progress. Working with the leadership program, working with women in Yemen who had been imprisoned because they'd been accused of something. And it wasn't, you know, proven in in the true sense of the legal way that we would expect um, probably in the Western world. Um, but it was by empowering them so they could start small businesses, small entrepreneurs. It might be crafting. It might be making baskets. But actually, that gave them financial independence, which meant they could control their own health. They could bring up their children. And actually, if you think about it, mothers across the world are very important characters in children's life. Children are the future of your nation. So, you need to make sure that all of these spinning plates are aligned so that you do the best for the future, for your country, for your nation, for the you know global economy, ultimately. Um, we look at, you know, when I was working with the British Council in Egypt in 2012, we were working with UNICEF um, in order to try to encourage girls to remain in education. Because at 12 or 13, they were being encouraged to marry. They then had no future. But if you could encourage them to stay in school, they were better educated. They could start their small businesses. They could get work. And so automatically, the whole dynamic of the community, and you had to work with the community uh, leaders because clearly there are cultural norms as well. But actually, that's a huge impact. You've got girls in school until they're 15 rather than leaving at 12 or 13 which is huge so they can better educate their kids when they have kids yeah they can you know financially stand on their own two feet which means they can control their own health care yeah mm-hmm. they have a little bit of financial independence so it's massively important you know working with women in Saudi so they 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 got their voice And as things have developed in the country, those women have then been able to create 
the right to drive, the right to participate in, yeah. in local elections. They've now become part of the um, Sharia Council. So there's lots and lots of elements that it's enabling. And I think that's the most important thing. It's enabling. And we think in the UK, we've got it all sussed and in Western. <laughs> but actually, there is still that enabling that's needed because there are some people, particularly from those lower social economic um, backgrounds, who maybe don't have access to those networks or that experience. Yes. And so really important, very talented young people. Mm. Are we using that talent in order to make things better for the greater good? Yeah. Um, and so we need to work harder. So that's for me what impact is. It's it's having the passion to allow everybody to reach their full potential, whatever that is, and it'll be different for everyone. Um, but really, really important. Wow. Having the passion to enable everyone to reach their full potential. Right, that's an individual, like, well, that is just like such a big statement, isn't it? Such well, it is statement. huge, and actually, if you try to unpack it, it would be very, very complicated. Yes. Um, but I think it, it's important at every single level, and I think it's often overlooked. We're busy, we don't yeah. really pay attention, there's deadlines, there's uh, KPIs to hit, there's budgetary constraints, but actually your most important asset are your people. And if they don't feel that they can make an impact, whatever that is, at whatever level through an organization and, and through whatever level of society, everyone needs to feel needed, wanted and valued. And that for me is at the heart of impact. You need that collective impact in order to move forward as a society. Wow. That's such a nice statement. I'm going to use that as the title of your podcast, Karen. I'm going <laughs> to use that. Oh. Slightly and, wordy. So, sorry? Slightly wordy. No, no, I think uh, I think there was a sentence in there that was super succinct, and I think that's really, really beautiful. So um, I think we might leave it there. Karen for today because that's a lovely place to end it and um, I just want to say thank you so much for joining us and um, I'm really grateful for you sharing your stories. Uh, you're more than welcome it's been an absolute pleasure thank you very much Laura. <laughs> Thanks Karen all right see you bye. Thanks for listening to the Impact Interviews. If you enjoyed this episode, then please check out our back catalogue. And if you have any questions for either us or our guests, then please be sure to get in touch. We'll be back next week with something new. So see you soon.